Hey, Citizens Podcast listeners. This week we did something a little different. We met in the park and had a discussion-style teaching, and my wife Megan led the teaching. She did a wonderful job. The subject is on trauma, and she uh, teaches from Psalm 66, which our son Ezra reads at the opening of this. The audio is a little spotty since my phone was on a picnic table recording the whole thing, but I hope you get a lot out of it. I think it was a really great teaching and discussion, and I think you'd benefit a lot from listening to it. So I'm praying for you as you listen to this teaching, and take care and have a wonderful week. Shout for joy to God o'er the earth, sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise, say to God how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come charging, come clinging to cringing. you. Cringing to you, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Seth. It is Selah. Yeah, it means like. Take a breath. Word. (laughs) Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. We heard the region rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Not the rebellious exiles themselves say, Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let her feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You have laid a portion burden in our on our backs to let men ride over our heads. We break through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered in my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer you to you burnt offerings of fat and animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats sake. Come and hear all you who fear God. I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished cherished in my heart the Lord would not have listened but truly God has listened he has attended to the voice of my prayer blessed to God be God because he has not rejected my prayer for you it's steadfast for me Good job. Nice. Way to go, brother. Okay, so we're in Embodied Christianity. John and I have talked a lot about how our faith seems to be very in our head and cerebral, and how the experience of our faith can sometimes feel very disconnected from that. And so he started this series of Embodied Christianity, um, and myself as a nurse and everything that I've learned where I'm currently working with addiction recovery and how 
our actual brain chemistry and coping mechanisms and experiences shape our actions in a very big way. And sometimes I think that's um, downplayed in the faith of how big a component our physical aspect is in influencing our life and our decisions and our actions. And sometimes, I mean, for myself, it would make me feel like a failure in times when it just seemed like no matter how I tried, just couldn't make the right choice or couldn't change the pattern. And reminds me of what Paul says, you know, like, they do the things that I don't want to do. Um, so in reading the, this Psalms, what kind of Psalms does it seem like to everybody? Says to me, the psalmist is going <clears throat> there's the stuff I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. but you are God. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Are you copying Harry? <laughs> he is. He's he's I'm not trying to it's okay, follow brother. the leader. It's, okay. it's all right, as we're good. We have it's all good. Hey, I did it first. <laughs> it's cool. Um, copycat. It's... Hey, I'm not a copycat. Oh, oh, I was oh, playing. Ezra, Ezra, she's joking. joking as... It's okay. You can, <laughs> you can continue. Um, <laughs> ten. Kind of a, you know, reminder that obviously we need to remind ourselves on an ongoing basis that, okay, this, but God. Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes through and he says, okay, you know, I, I've been beset by this and I've been beset by this, but you dried up the land and we walked mm-hmm. over, you know, you parted the Red Sea. I mean, not specifically, mm-hmm. but right. you got the idea. Um, you did you did all this stuff, which is pretty huge. And so really, let's put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm dealing with, and what have you done? Mm-hmm. Um, this is nothing. Now, it doesn't feel like nothing. Right. And so it does have an effect on us emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. It does. Stress does physical things to your body. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's a chemical change. There's, I mean, it's probably just a chemical change. There's, it's all brain. Um, but anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you pretty much, yeah, I think we're done now. No, but. Um, Cheers. <laughs> it's, it looks like a thanks, it is a Thanksgiving psalm. Um, and it's interesting the the actual accounts that are portrayed in this psalm. Like, we know the story of the Red Sea, but can you imagine, like, God leading you out of slavery into freedom to a dead end, you know, and With the really enemy bad is right, behind, right you. behind you. And there's a moment there where you're like, what? You know, this is, I don't know if anyone else has ever felt that way, you know, where God leads you, you're following God, he's bringing you out into a promise of something, and then it feels like, great, yeah, this is, I'm going to die. I mean... 
I don't know if anyone's ever actually felt that way, but you kind of feel left alone, abandoned, and that there's a dead end, and and so like this story is always talked about as God's like providence and power, but wrapped up in it is like this very real experience of like pain, you know. And then likewise, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the refined us like silver, like that's we talk about God refining us and he's a refiner and we sing the songs, but like he is the only one who can tell us what needs to be burned off. Like we don't know if we're the silver and that experience is painful. And then also, um, in verse 11, is it, you let, no 12, you let men ride over our heads. (laughs) Like, what? <laughs> like that's just folded in this you're so great god you know like you let men you like they even whoever wrote this we don't know who wrote it even like attributes the pain to god allowing it you know but yet look how great god is and so this is just like such a great psalm when we are discussing how do we deal with our hurts and pains and and how do we process that um because it, it's, yeah, it's kind of blows my mind a little bit that you can have both, like the, um, the pain and very hard experiences, but God's glory is like amplified in that. And so how do we do that? So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, all right. So we are already talking about, um, how our cries for help are shaped by praise. Um, he talks throughout this psalm uh, in verse is it 17, I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise was on my tongue. Like even, even in the midst of it, um, he is praising God. And it shows in the, uh, in the whole psalm. Um, And that's really hard to do because that also shows, like, how, how can you have a mindset of praise when you're going through a really hard time? That takes a discipline of, like, your thoughts. What are you, and in, in your belief in God and his character. Um, I think it's really hard to do that. Um, so that's one of the ways that we process pain appropriately is through, through the lens of praise. Um, but then also recognizing who we are, and John's talked a lot about this, uh, we are the silver. Um, if we are the silver, then um, what happens to us is done by the hand of the refiner. And... The Bible also uses, like, the clay and the potter analogy, Um, and it's the same kind of scenario where the clay doesn't have any say of what it's made into. Um, There is a passage in Jeremiah that's really uh, eye-opening, where God tells Jeremiah in chapter 18 um, 
he says, go to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. And so I did. And as he told me, I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. O oh, Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. Yikes. Mm. So. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think it is a relatively comforting. Well, it, 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 in fact, yes. Coming right. from Israel, because obviously I like the... In theory. We're reading this from the perspective, and I like the fact that you don't know who wrote this. It's like right. everyday Israelite wrote this. Mm-hmm. And like... When it, when it says, like, you have tested us, oh God, you're purified us like silver, it's like, well, you know what you're mm-hmm. They didn't get into slavery because God just said, last time you slaves, it was like, yeah. you're being incredibly disobedient. Once again, you know, you will be conquered because you are basically abandoned, you know, what you agreed to do. Mm-hmm. And so being purified like silver is like working away those impurities of, of disobedience in the life of these worlds. And so it's like, in this case, if anything, there is praise to be had there because it's like I'm working in you a new heart, a new mm-hmm. heart that will be mm-hmm. obedient towards the one who can save you. Yeah. And I recognize it seems like that's how this person has interpreted this mm-hmm. um, because it's like they're thankful for the, the hard times. And it's not, these aren't just hard times for the sake of being hard times. It's like these are hard times for the sake of bringing us closer to the one mm-hmm. who is true. Right. So. And that's where us knowing God's character is so important right is he like a god who's punishing you and like you failed start over or is he a god who it like adores the clay you know like he like loves the clay he's lovingly shaping the clay and there is a purpose and a vision and a goal for the clay and like if that is the perspective that we have or or the faith and belief in god that we have then it kind of changes the perspective of hard times. It still feels horrible mm-hmm. in our bodies. And, you know, um, but in Isaiah 43, um, it says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And, like, this is the testimony of every Christian. Um, It does say in the Bible that rain falls and sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. And so what separates... The Christian from the non-Christian when hard times come, um, and it is this just unwavering belief in the goodness of the potter and the refiner, and that your your pain is is actually for something. For some reason, that is very comforting when you are going through a hard time. That like you don't want it to be wasted because that feels like there's no value in your experience. Um, but God actually uses everything in your life to move you into a version closer to him, to his own, the refiner refined silver until it reflects the refiner's face perfectly. And that's, that's it, you know? Um, 
Um, <clears throat> and it becomes easier if you cooperate. <laughs> right. Right? Um, yeah. And, and I suppose to a degree, um, part of the acceptance that, okay, this is not pleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the quicker you come to terms with this is not pleasant, but somewhere down the road that I can't see right now because I'm not digging this. <laughs> somewhere down the road, I'm going to be able to look back and go, mm-hmm. I see. Okay, cool. You are faithful. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important also, like, we read <clears throat> the Psalms and we think, oh, you know, while they were, heads were being trampled, uh, like, they're singing praises to the Lord, you know? And and I think in some situations with the right perspective, we can do that. And those are gifts, you know, to have really hard times where you're like, okay, God has given me the faith and the clarity to, to like, trust him through this. But also, like, there are times when you don't have that. And it's just really hard. And you don't know which way is up or in which way is down. And it feels like everybody's against you. Or you're all alone. And, um, I mean, at the end of this psalm... He says, praise be to God who's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. And I would venture that that means like, in all, I mean, that's the graciousness of our God is that he's not like, well, I didn't hear an utterance of praise while you were being trampled. So therefore I'm turning my back on you. You know, like we can have a vision of God of being the disciplinarian, um, but he loved us even when we couldn't lift a praise. And so that love continues even throughout our journey with him. Um, so. But what is the point of discipline? Is it just to exact punishment that makes me feel better because you wronged me? Mm. Or is it, <clears throat> is discipline, is discipline something to produce a result? Mm-hmm. To sustain you <clears throat> through the times that are hard. It's like when, um, well, when I'm preparing for a race, mm. I have to discipline my body. And you, the very act of breaking down your, you have, break down your muscles, mm-hmm. you rest. And then as you rest, your b- muscles build back stronger. So that when you're able to do what you're called to do, the race, then you are able to endure and you can mm-hmm. make it to the end. Mm-hmm. If you did not go through the discipline to get there then you would not be able to well you might be able to but you might be limping and you might be really broken at the end to the point where you might be doing damage that's going to take a very long time to heal but discipline makes us stronger and draws us to God you know any any part of discipline is going to bring us back to him and also remind us what he's done before. Mm-hmm. That means I know I can trust that even though this is painful, even though what I'm going through is hard, I know what will come of this that is good for me. 
So this discipline, even though it's difficult, is worth it because I know there is the outcome will be to my benefit, to for my good. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we get discipline and punishment mixed up in our minds. You know, like we think, oh, I'm being punished because I'm bad, and and it's like a condemnation. Like punishment is like a almost you know because we know about the justice system and everything like that like you get punished because you did something bad and then you know that's what you owe um whereas discipline is like a restorative kind of it's a restorative act out of love Mm -hmm. silly illustration but and i know the answer to this how many times have you stubbed your toe and went ow that really hurt i must be being punished Every time. Right? Right? <laughs> right? Okay. Out of the mouth of children. Right there. Anyone who has not caught that, please stand up. <laughs> who would not think that? It must be fun. Well, we also have a very interesting relationship with pain as humans, where it's very, um, we try to avoid it. And it's, they've even, oh my goodness, Megan, okay. Go, ahead. go, go. I'm going to veer off. And, okay, this is really cool. But they even um, have found that there's two different types of brains when it comes to failure. Um, there's one that they, uh, the brain, so a person is attached to the brain, um, they fail and the pain centers of their brain are ignited. It says you. And then the other brain is they fail and the motivation receptors of like areas of their brain are ignited. And so there's actually two responses to failure that humans have. And it's like, and because we are so adverse to pain, um, if you associate failure with pain, then you will try to avoid it at all costs. Whereas if you associate it with motivation, then you'll try to figure it out and you see it as like an opportunity to grow. Um, And so really it just depends, like pain is such a hard concept for us to grasp as something that can be useful um, and can be used in a loving way because it doesn't feel good and we don't like that. So anyways, that was kind of an... Um, to qualify that, uh, not really off track. I think it was I, dead I, on. No, I was very much on. Um, I already told mom, my mom and dad this, but yesterday I met a man who embodies that exact mindset. <clears throat> so so well. Wow. Um, he was in the '80s or something. But he had run. He was a runner, and um, this man came in just looking for basic shoes, and I was like t- trying to teach him all the stuff about running shoes. Who would I know who he was? Mm. Um, but it turns out this guy had come one second away from getting a world record at the 600. Um, and, but he, like, this was when he was 19. And after that, he stopped, he stopped being able to run competitively due to a lumbar injury. Mm. Um, but he had a coach who, every time at the end of practice, would be like, after everyone was leaving, he'd say, I want you to do one more. Mm-hmm. He was like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to be a champion or not? Mm. And so he did this to him every single practice. He was, mm. he had, to a point, it just became a joke. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll go do one more. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he came to that race when he did, when he broke, almost broke the record. He said he was running, and he said, I was running super fast. And he said, I, I finished the first leg 
Um, no one was even close to me. Second leg, no one was even close to me. I got to the third leg, 70 yards from the end, and I said my entire body seized up. Mm. He said, but then I hit in that moment. The coach was saying, one more. Mm, he mm -hmm. said, it all made sense though. He said, I just moved mm -hmm. through it. He said, it hurt more than anything else. Mm -hmm. He said, but I completely slammed that race. Mm. Um, and he said, and ever in his whole life, he's been dealing with surgery after surgery mm -hmm. after surgery. He said, every single time I had to go through physical therapy again. He said, every time, you know, I would go through, you know, months of pain and suffering to, to get, you know, back on my feet again so I could keep running. Yeah. Um, he said, I can't run anymore, but I can walk. Mm -hmm. He said, I've been trying to do six to eight miles a day just to make sure. And like, and this guy's been Jeez. doing this for 80 years. Yeah. Wow. And like every single time he's like, he's, he's done all the work and it's mm -hmm. all been pushed back on him because of the surgery. He does it all again to mm -hmm. get back where he needs to be. I'm just like, dude, what? <laughs> Anyways. I mean, when, if you think about just physiologically in your body, you fall down and you get back up. And yeah. the muscles you use to get back up are different than the muscles you use just to walk. Mm -hmm. or just to sit. And um, if you never fell, you wouldn't be strengthening those muscles. And likewise, to be well-rounded, like God is a good God who sees the areas that are weak and um, desires us to live whole healthy, healed, abundant lives because he loves us. And so wouldn't a coach, right, or anyone who um, is trying to strengthen those weaker areas help you do that? Um, hmm. That could be a way to look at pain. Yeah. <laughs> if you were Training. to do it wisely. <laughs> if you were to be in your righteous mind. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the third point, um, verse 18 was actually pivotal in my own healing journey. Um, it said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And, um, the amplified version says, if I regard sin and baseness in my heart, that is, if I know it is there and do nothing about it, the Lord will not hear me. Um, so we've established that everybody experiences pain in their life and that there are two, well, there are two ways to deal with pain. There's one that kind of hardens your heart and you retreat and isolate and become bitter, angry, and resentful and unforgiving. And the other way is um, having a softened heart. It compels others to know you more and draws people in. And it's done in community. It doesn't mean that you have to be always with other people. I think that in pain, alone time with the Lord is really good. Um, but it's not this um, kind of retraction and isolation and kind of like guarding up. Um, and the, the hard thing with the first response um, is that you kind of start to gather uh, offenses that have accumulated over your life and um like for myself it was you know this happened at one point in my life so therefore anyone who reminds me of that is now kind of dangerous and so if I start moving through my life like that the the safe people become fewer and fewer and um that also affects my ability to love people and be in healthy relationships 
Um, so basically everybody at this table, which is interesting, don't know my own story very much. Um, I historically was a codependent people pleaser, a doormat just trying to be good enough that people would like me and also get along with each other. I really didn't like conflict. Um, I didn't feel like I fit in at all. I desperately wanted to belong. I had major depression with anxiety on top of it. I self-harmed when I was, um, adolescent. I tried to kill myself and was hospitalized twice for depression. I was angry um, at the hand that had been dealt in my life. I went through um, rape and sexual assaults multiple times and abusive relationships. Um, I stopped attending church because the view that I had of God didn't fit my experiences and I didn't want anything to do with him. If he would allow someone who was trying to, I just tried so hard to be good, right? I was trying to do all the right Christian things I was trying to do. And it just felt like no matter what I did, I still got dealt a really hard hand. And so I didn't want anything to do with him. Um, I just saw hypocrisy in the church and in Christians and just this drive for people to behave perfectly. And I just felt broken beyond repair. Like I was, yeah, uh, I partied a lot and felt like this deep, dark hole of emptiness that I just couldn't no matter what I tried with relationships or alcohol or anything like that um, and I was just a big ball of anger <laughs> John <laughs> knew me from this time um, so so much had happened in my life that caused me pain and relational hurt and physical hurt and emotional hurt and yeah, I carried I was, it I was, when, was I alive at this time? you were not buddy so I carried it with me as a security blanket. Um, it actually protected me from hurt in the world, in my mind. Um, this was a blanket of pain and anger and bitterness, and it kept me safe. No one could get close to me. Um, I was a very strong victim in my life and was owed retribution. Um, anxiety and trauma would replay over and over in my mind and trying to figure out what I could do differently next time or who was at fault or was it me or you know just I just couldn't break free I was trapped um, and resentment and unforgiveness just attaches you to whatever the person thing event was and you can't break free from it um, so verse 18 came along um, and I realized that I had a lot in my heart that um, was affecting my relationship with God. Because how could, how could a good God exist in the paradigm that I had created when I was treated so badly that I was made to be used by others and that God didn't care? Like, that was, like, my core beliefs. And so I literally had to clear the cash which is what I call just go list out offenses and practice forgiveness and release the outcome. Because I can't, I can't sit in the seat of condemnation or judgment. It is literally too much for my physical body to handle. Like, I am not made to be in that seat. And, um, yeah, 
What do you mean by seat? Like, <laughs> you know, the seat of the seat of of judgment, which is only Christ to fill. That's all. Yeah. Um. Let me see where I am here. So, what's really great about the Psalms is that there are Psalms that are from the perspective of the victim slash just this, all this happened to me and God, where are you? That is a huge gift to all, every human that goes through hard times because God doesn't censor our experience. Like he... Like in, in those moments where I was lost <clears throat> and couldn't see God's goodness, he was still there. And like looking back on that time now and allowing him to write my story through his narrative has shown me ways that he was there even when I wasn't acknowledging him. Um, okay. So, the problem with having offenses and resentments and unforgiveness built up in your heart, um, we've talked about some of it, but also it has a chronic, it has a physical effect on your body as well. Um, It can lead to chronic illness, uh, increases inflammation in your body. You can get, and they've, I mean, inflammation... um, is the precursor to cardiovascular diseases, mental illness, um, I mean, autoimmune diseases. Like, there's it's just, if you can decrease your inflammation, you're going to really improve your body and your mindset. Um, you can literally kill yourself from anger. <laughs> yes. You can, really. You can. Yeah. You can. It's, it's really important to, yeah. Yeah. Um, the hardest, the hardest part of letting go, because holding on to it gives you power, and mm. and I don't want um, to lessen how hard how hard it is to let go of something that you've been holding on to, because it literally gives you the motivation and the power to keep going, because you have you have something that motivates you, and it's your anger, and it's your bitterness, and your unforgiveness. Um, mm. And letting go is scary because it means, well, what do I have? Who am I if I don't have this? If I've created this whole narrative of who I am is this, you know, damaged goods, then if I let that go, then I'm literally free floating. It takes, I mean, it's really hard. You have to work on getting to know God and allowing him to show you who he is apart from who you say he is. Um... Yeah, so I don't want to gloss over how hard that is if any part of that resonates with where you are. And also, this is like a continual process. <laughs> like, Sanctification! Yeah, like I can, I can clear the cache and the next day I'm just like, oh, well, um, yep, <laughs> that person... <laughs> yeah. That person said something that Dang it, reminded me of something drive. else, yep, and it's back, so... Um, So holding on to bitterness and pain and resentment is bondage to the person, thing, or memory that has no place in your life for freedom, wholeness, and abundance that God has planned for you. Um, 
and no person, place, or memory is valuable enough to affect your audience with the Father. Like, if he, if, if the state of my heart affects my relationship with God, then, like, I, I have to actually learn boundaries, you know? And, like, and what gets in there because it's, I don't want a person, like, I love all y'all, but, like, you're not worth my relationship with God, right? In a, like, negative way. I don't understand. Carrie's like, what? No, no, no. We're good. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the hard thing is you may never get the sorry that you're, that you are owed. Um, or closure. Sometimes closure doesn't happen. Um, and, but your, your health is so much more important than the I'm sorry. Um, the good news is that even in the midst of a heart full of pain and bitterness, Jesus still is there and loves us and offers us his grace. Um, even because we, we can't heal ourselves. Like that's the kind of the cultural, um, thing right now is like the self-help just just figure out how what you the regimen you need to do and do that and you will heal yourself and I don't find that anywhere in the Bible where God says and then you won't need me anymore because you will have healed yourself um, and so this is something that we do in a relationship with God and with the community because if you're hurt in community unfortunately for people who have been hurt in community you're healed in community like your your wound is healed through what hurt you. And um, one more thing about relationships. Um, like God works through people in the world, in our lives. And oftentimes what happens when you have a hurt heart full of resentment and bitterness um, you may dismiss the person that God has put in your life to bring healing because when you look at them, you just see pain. Um, what happens when I'm carrying past hurts is that a person comes in my life and um, I, they say something that hits the wound, right? They didn't hurt me in the past. But now I just see that pain, and I will treat them as I would the person who hurt me in the past. And so really, just the hurt continues. Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. And it's really important that we take responsibility for um, our own pain so that we can, um, first of all, not hurt someone else, <laughs> um, but also so we can receive the good that God has in store for us. Right. Mm. Um, all right, so healing is rewriting your story, letting God narrate it. Healing is processing your pain appropriately so you don't mistake someone else for your perpetrator and forfeit the blessings God has sent to your life. Um, healing is clearing the cache of hurts in your heart and giving God the space to rest there. There's no room if it's just full of lots of other stuff. Um, so I rewrote my story trying to do it through Psalm 66. And this is a kind of interesting activity. Um, 
So, praise our God, for he spared me when I tried to take my own life. Praise be to God, for you let me know the depths of my own depravity to the point of hospitalization, providing a shelter free from distractions to heal. How awesome are your deeds, God, for you have kept me set apart my whole life, setting me up for the path you have planned for me. Praise be to God, who has held on to me through depression, betrayal, loneliness, PTSD, and mothering kids with special needs. Praise be to God, who led me into the desert to speak to me tenderly, wooing me with his love, teaching me what love looks like. Praise be to God, who heard my prayers during rape, sexual assaults, and abusive relationships. He is my safe place, my shelter, and my companion. Nothing can ever separate me from him. I am worthy of his presence because I am his masterpiece, his beloved. Praise God.